Imagine living your life after 50 and feeling energized and excited about your future. Welcome to the Women in the Middle podcast, the podcast for women who are ready to figure out what they want and create the life they deserve. Here's your host and master certified life coach, Susie Rosenstein. Hey there, in today's episode, I'm going to introduce you to someone who went from piano playing to face potions and more, and wow, you're going to love this story. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, Women in the Middle, with over a million downloads and counting. I'm your host, Susie Rosenstein, your Master Certified Coach and Midlife Mentor, and I am so glad to be here with you again. So, do you love face creams and potions and a really good career reimagination story? I do, the career reimagination and the face creams, totally. (laughs) That's one thing I've been consistent with. Even in my 20s, it started with eye cream. I really love face creams, though. Like, don't even get me started. (laughs) Today's interview guest has an amazing story, that's for sure. And I've become a super fan of her cream since I discovered it. I can't wait to share this interview with you. But just quick, before we dive into this whole amazing story, I want to make sure you know about the free download for you that is perfect if you're planning to make a vision board. Who doesn't love a vision board? So if you want to find out more about how to make a vision board that really works, head on over to www.susierosenstein.com forward slash regret proof vision, and you'll get immediate access to all the info you need. And one more thing, if you're ready to make sure that you love your life next year, like really, no more excuses, no more confusion about what you really want, none of that stuff. (laughs) If you're ready to change your life and learn the skills to unstick yourself with some masterful coaching, a top-notch curriculum, an infusion of creativity, and a really warm, fun, and awesome community of like-minded women, let's talk about it. I would love to be able to help you get unstuck and be happier and more fulfilled than ever before. So email me your questions. And of course, go ahead and book your free momentum call at www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. Now is the perfect time to put yourself first like this. Okay, let me introduce you to my amazing guest today. Angela Gia Kim is the author of Radical Radiance, 12 Weeks of Self-Love Rituals to Manifest Abundance, beauty, and joy. She's the founder of Savor Beauty, a natural skincare and facial spa brand inspired by Korean beauty self-love rituals, and she's also a former international classical concert pianist. Called the Unexpected Beauty Virtuoso by MindBodyGreen, she created the award-winning skincare in her kitchen, became an accidental entrepreneur, and built a multi-million dollar enterprise around the philosophy of manifesting beauty, brilliance, and balance. She has led hundreds of women empowerment workshops and her Savor Beauty Planner has sold over a 100,000 copies. Her skincare and spas in New York City have been chosen as Best of New York and featured in top publications such as Vogue, Goop, Elle, Allure, and InStyle. Angela lives in New York City. Seriously, you are going to love this interview, so please enjoy. Hi, Angela. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Women in the Middle podcast. Susie, I'm so excited to be here with you at long Uh, last, right? I know. Both of us were not feeling as well as we should be. (laughs) 
Yeah. So now we're doing much better. And it's really fun to see you in my Zoom square. I was so excited to talk to you also because of your story. I love a story that starts with being a professional musician. So we're going to get into that. And your unique take on radical radiance and how to really take care of yourself. Midlife women really struggle to make this a priority. So we're going to go into that and, you know, just really focusing on how to love yourself more. So, so good. So let's start with like, what's it like to be in the age industry? Because that's really what you're about. Right. So, um, you know, just to back up, I have a company called Savor Beauty. And it's an organic skincare line inspired by Korean beauty rituals. So we are always focused on the age delay aspect. And it's very um, interesting because you and I were chatting earlier how I don't really like to talk about aging in the traditional sense. Um, There was a podcaster that was talking about as we age. And I said, oh, I like to call it as we gain wisdom years. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) And when somebody comes into the spa or, you know, consults with us online through our e-com business, they're often, they want to erase their wrinkles. And I understand that, you know, that's a very common, very normal feeling to have. But I also like to say, you know, those are laugh lines. Those are, these are our emotions on our face, you know? And so while I really believe that we can take care of our skin and that we can feel good in our skin, and then even further that we can love the skin we're in. I I like to be very mindful that society has ingrained in us that aging is almost sinful. You know, that that you become non-relevant, and that you are, um, that your life is basically over. I remember when my dad and mom turned 30, I was like, oh, they're dying. (laughs) They're dying. And then when I turned 30, I was like, wait, I'm just getting started. I reinvented myself in my 30s. And then I turned 40 and I was like, you know, I feel better. My body feels better. And so I don't know. I think it's it's a it's a misnomer that society has, you know, placed on us, especially women. And it just keeps getting better and better. Like, you know, sex life is better. Um, you know, relationships are better. Uh, life is better. And I feel so much more comfortable in the skin I'm in. And that's what I want to inspire women to, to embrace. I love that focus. That's so good. And, you know, even in your book, um, Radical Radiance, you started with such an interesting thing. It's to describe your use of the word radical. Mm, Yes. Okay. So Susie, what do you think of when someone says radical? It feels like it's a little out there, like it's a stretch. It's not the norm. Right. So, and it's often used to describe, um, you know, radical behavior, extreme behavior. But actually, um, the word comes from the Latin word radix, and it means root. So I wanted to use this word as we're going to go to the root of who you are and do deep inner work so that you can um, discover your soul's essence and, you know, that you can bring it up to your forefront. So it becomes a visible, vibrant glow, a radiance, right? So for me, radiance started with skincare, but as I was 
working on my skin. And I, you know, I teach women, it's the very first ritual in the book to wash your face the right way, double cleansing. And it's a thorough cleansing of the pores of your skin, but also it's a symbolic cleansing of your pores of your soul so that you go to bed with skin that is glowing and it's, you've taken out all the debris and toxins, but you've also done that for your soul. So you're not going to bed thinking about all the things you should have done and any toxic thoughts. You're going to bed with a pure slate, a reset of sorts. So I just started to think, well, you know, as we're exfoliating our skin, you know, our souls need to be exfoliated. We need to let go of the outer layer of our skin, just like the soul needs to let go of the past of anything that we're holding on to. And then there's a detoxification and the nourishment just as our skin needs all of these things, so do the deepest and most sacred parts of our souls. So that's really, really a radical way of taking care of your skin and your soul. We're going to the root of things. That's where I got the word radical. I love that. And it really stood out to me because it is a very different way to think about skincare. Mm-hmm. It really is. And what really struck me too is just slowing down to do that. I mean, so many women in my community don't even feel that they have enough time to read a book, you know? So to slow down enough to do a simple ritual on such an important part of your physical being, mm-hmm. it's really something. It's symbolic. And I think sometimes we don't know what we do to ourselves because it's invisible, right? We don't know that everything is energy. It's because energy is it quote invisible, but it's really not because people can sense it. And sensing is a very strong um, sixth sense, right? And people may not be able to see it, but they sense your energy and your soul senses your energy as well. So I think that um, learning how to do things kind of on your skin where it's visible you can then apply those symbolic lessons to your soul, which is invisible. So good. Now, I can't help myself. I need to hear about how you created this business and what was going on for you because you were a trained classic pianist, right? Yes. So what was your childhood like and how did that all roll out for you? Well, I can. I just remember that when I was around three or four, my mom who was a pianist as well. And she ended up being my first piano teacher. She just plunked me onto the bench and put these cinder blocks underneath, like so many 20, 25 cinder blocks underneath because my feet were dangling. And there I was a little pianist and she was giving me lessons every day. I was practicing every day. And I really wanted to, because I would, who, what kid doesn't want to play the piano, right? If you see her playing the piano, you just want to sit there and make these magical sounds. So I loved doing that. And my mom and my dad were very uh, supportive. One might say that they were tiger parents about the piano playing because I had to practice up to two hours a day, even when I was in kindergarten. Wow. You know, so I was very disciplined. I learned discipline at a very young age. And I was winning piano competitions even at the age of five years old. Wow. So, um, and then I remember, you know, people just calling me, oh, you're a piano genius. You're a little pianist. And that became my identity very early on. And it's sort of the way that I earned my parents' respect. And so therefore I thought their love in my young mind. And it became, uh, it became who I was. 
And so because I excelled at it at a very young age, it sort of became my badge of honor, you know, and the way that I moved in this world was through that lens of I'm a pianist and I can play piano very well. So you will be very amazed by what I do because I would, I would sit at the piano at school and everyone would gather around and they would be like, Oh, that's so amazing, Angie, you know? So (laughs) it's a, it's a good thing, I think for young, for youngsters to excel at something because it keeps them busy. It kept me out of drugs, kept me out of alcohol through my, you know, junior high and high school years. My friends were dabbling and having boyfriends, going out and drinking and doing drugs, but I didn't have time because I had to get home and practice for a piano competition or a recital, you know. I think it's important, but I also think that there's a danger when you become very good at something at a young age that you identify with it and then you become it. And then you don't really develop a sense of self, which is really at the root of Radical Radiance, the book that I wrote that I didn't even have a strong sense of self, even in my 20s, 30s and 40s, you know. And that's why I worked so hard because I thought in order to be loved, you needed to succeed at something. That's right. Wow. Yeah. So if you look at a lot of the people who have this extreme success at an early age, I mean, I was not at that extreme level, but I was definitely playing piano very proficiently and doing very well with it. And I more importantly, I was identifying myself as a pianist, not as Angie Kim, who just played right? With Barbies and whatever. And and my sisters, it was Angie Kim, the pianist. So, you know, if you look at, if you do studies on um, Olympic gold medalists, there's something called the Olympic blues. Do you know about this? No, I don't, but I like where this is going in terms of making this example. Yeah. It's um, many Olympic gold medalists and medalists in general, they come home extremely depressed. And they say it's because they've worked so hard with this singular focus on this external activity. And they kind of ignore everything at the expense of succeeding. And then they have a minute to prove themselves. And either you get the gold, you get this, or you get the silver and you're a failure, right? In in this American system of the Olympic Games. So let's take Michael Phelps, for example one of the most celebrated Olympians of our time. And he did an interview after one of the Olympic, after one of his wins, gold medal wins. And he was talking about how he couldn't get out of bed for days. And he just said, I don't know who I am. I'm just a right. swimmer. And that's really, really dangerous. And, and I think you, you, that's a very extreme example, right? Of you, well, you hear about, I don't know if you grew up watching different strokes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> And child stars and how devastated they are after the show is over because they haven't really developed a sense of self, right? And so these are extreme examples of people who have, who don't know what to do with themselves and they go into this deep, dark depression and they turn to very unhealthy ways of being in order to cope after this success, this quote success. So we all can go through that, right? Mothers can go through that with our kids. We, we have this extreme, um, we identify with ourselves as mothers or as spouses or as career professionals. And so we become so singular focused that we forget our sense of self. Absolutely. That's definitely something that's going on in midlife. And 
what tends to happen is there's some kind of a wake up call. Sometimes it's a milestone birthday, turning 50, turning 60. Sometimes it's empty nest where a kid, your kids start going away and leaving or the last one leaves. Uh, Sometimes it's another jarring thing that could happen, like a health consequence or getting laid off at a job or something like that. But it's the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. As that happened to you, that was sort of like we were talking yeah. about earlier that when you were laid off from your job, it was the gift you couldn't give yourself. That's what you called it. It's beautiful yeah. way of looking at it. And I think you're right. You know, your health starts to deteriorate. In my case, I started getting panic attacks. Oh. And, and um, ever since I was very young, I had claustrophobia. I remember, you know, playing hide and go seek at the age of five and um, I would be hiding under a bed and I would just feel very panicked about it. So it's just something that's inside of me. I don't know why. Um, But as I became, uh, you know, in my 20s and and 30s, as I started to ignore myself, my inner radiance, my soul, at the expense of career success and working and doing and accomplishing, um, I developed claustrophobia on an extreme level. So at some point, I couldn't even travel. I couldn't even travel um, for a decade after my daughter was born. And I wouldn't be able to even drive in tunnels. You know, so in New York City, I don't know how well you know it, but there's a Lincoln, Lincoln Tunnel and then there's a George Washington Bridge. And I would always opt to go over George Washington Bridge, even if it added an hour to my to my travel, <laughs> you know. So, yeah, I totally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hear you. So, but this is a symptom of something that's going on deep within us. And you're right. You know, it's the gift of your struggle that tells you that there's something that needs to be solved your radix, your root, radical radiance. Definitely. Like, who am I? What do I want? And so with you, what was that transition like from a very disciplined, focused identity uh, to discovering your love of skincare and potions and creams? Like, they seem extremely different, but I can see where you were starting to sense that this wasn't going to meet all your needs. Right. Well, as a pianist, I was traveling all by myself all the time. um, And I was visiting more, I was touring um, in more towns than a presidential candidate at one time. Wow. And that, so I would wake up, I was just telling this to a friend the other day, I would wake up in the middle of the night and say, where am I? Where am I? I would never know where I was. So it was a very lonely life. And I just want to share with you the extreme of what my life was and what my life became, because I never talked to anyone really as a, as a pianist, meaning really deep connected talks, right? Because I was practicing myself by myself, six to sometimes up to 13 hours a day touring by myself. And sometimes my ex-husband and I would go on the tours together. And that was a godsend. I was always so grateful for his company, but I, um, you know, I never had to learn how to communicate and work in a team. I would just show up and be kind of the little starlet and they would roll out the red car- carpet and the, you know, and I would do my concert and then I would get, a, you know, uh, applause and then I would sell CDs and sign autographs. And then I would come home and my best friend was the remote control and the TV. So I never developed real social skills. You know, I developed a presence. I developed a poise. I developed a way of being a star on the show, uh, of the show, but I never developed deep connection with anyone, intimacy. Wow. So what I want to really inspire you and your listeners today is that 
when you're in one career and you transfer into another, it can be very scary. And so I, what I did was I um, started a hobby of making lotions in my kitchen. And it was just a hobby. And I think that's the first step to reinvention is finding, you know, you and I were talking about how sometimes women, we become so like we're mothers, we're, we're often serving everyone else but ourselves. And we forget ourselves, right? As we've been talking about this first half of the podcast. So then you don't even know what you want. You don't even know. And for many of us, it's the first time in 20 or 30 years where we had no clue because we're used to functioning at a high level. We, we yeah. are problem solvers. We know how to get stuff done. And now it's like, what do I want? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't have a clue. And it can be really scary when you don't know what you want because you're used to everyone else, your schedule, the external world dictating it for you. And then it's like, well, what do I want? And so I just wanted to make lotions in my kitchen. And, and you have to understand that was a huge breakthrough for me because wasn't going to make money. It wasn't going to make me successful. It wasn't going to do anything. It was just me exploring. Now that's where did that come from, Angela? Where did, where did that come from making potions? Did you like your hands were very occupied with piano. So when did you fall in love with, you know, this other tactile stuff of potions and, and maybe the smells or what was it? Well, I mean, it was that I, well, there was an incident where I was about to walk out on stage um, for a concert and I put on a quote, natural lotion on my body and started breaking out into hives. And that itch was literally what made me look at the label and the list of ingredients. And I thought, this sounds very like, what doesn't sound very natural. So I started doing research and um, that made me want to start creating my own lotions. And, you know, also in my childhood, my mom, who's Korean, she's obsessed with skincare as most Korean women are. And so she would always have these exotic creams sent to her from Seoul, from her sisters made of pigeon poop, gold flecks. And she would always have these creams and I would come home, I would come home from where school or whatever. And I would just play with her creams. And I loved watching my mom massage her face and use toners and She just looked so, her skin looked glistening and radiant and glowing. And so I was just, I grew up with that environment of, of in care of self-care. So I was already interested in it. And I thought to myself, you know, mom, I, and also at the time, my aunt had just been diagnosed with breast cancer. So we were all scared. So I said, mom, I'm going to make natural skincare and, you know, a cream that you can use that's good for you and also for me. And then it'll be age delay. It'll get rid of wrinkles, mom. (laughs) So Anyway, that was my kind of my motivation. So here's where I think it gets really interesting, Susie. When you think about your career, your whether it's as a mom or as um, you know, all the way to a CEO of a company, anywhere and anywhere, anywhere in between that spectrum, right? You've had experience doing something. These are transferable skills that you can take into the next half, your next act. I am so happy that you talked about this. Transferable skills comes up all the time for midlife women. They don't, many don't appreciate how many transferable skills they have because they're not just older. They are older and wiser. I am so delighted that you mentioned transferable skills. Tell us more. Appreciate and value this aspect of yourself. And, you know, in the book, there's uh, a chapter that people tell me they start crying when they read it. It's, um, it's about self-worth. 
Um, I let me just look up really quickly what chapter it is, just for ease. Restore your self worth. That's week number four. Um, it's divided into twelve weeks, so it's not overwhelming. And so this is week number four. Restore your self worth. This is part of your value. This is part of your richness inside richness. Um, and so transferable skills for me as a pianist was I was used to practicing every day. I was used to discipline, excellence, perseverance. So I applied all of that to lotion making. Now, what I didn't have was a chemistry background. I didn't have, um, you know, I've never made a cream before in my entire life. <laughs> I knew what a good cream it feels like. So yes, did I spend way too much on ingredients? Yes. Did I spend way too much time making these creams? Yes, I, I did it a thousand times. So I think that's the part that I would, I, I think other women find inspiring because they think, oh, she did that. I can do it too. And so if you just, you know, I think the moral of the lesson here is passion, finding, you know, just day after day, it's like even giving yourself space. Maybe you don't even know what you're passionate about. Maybe you don't even know what you want, but, you know, I think a good way to start is looking at magazines and this interests me. Or we have the internet, we can go, you know, just whatever it seems that we're interested in. Look at your credit card statements. You'll see what you spend your money on. That gives you a good clue. What do you enjoy talking to your friends about? Maybe you need to hire a coach. A coach is a beautiful way to, to identify what you want. And then you start to give yourself space. I'm going to spend an hour doing nothing except for what I want. And then the inner voice is going to start growing. And then you start thinking to yourself, well, how do I start doing and creating what it is that I want? And that's where it all starts, Susie, I think. I agree. And uh, that was a beautiful way that you described finding your passion. I have a worksheet that helps people go back over uh, their life looking for moments of joy. So we're not looking for drama and trauma and all that stuff, because that's usually such a part of our story that's more at the top. And this is really, what did you like in grade three? Oh, when you were in grade six, what was your favorite part of that? And then so you end up with a list of these little moments of joy. And for me, it was making mud pies, winning a little poster competition, discovering saxophone and jazz band and marching band, those kinds of things popped up. And then to look at that list of things and just ask yourself, are any of these things in your life now? Or what can you learn from just the awareness that brought you joy then? Because I believe that what brought you joy in childhood, in another part of your life is highly likely to bring you joy again. Maybe not the same exact version, but you can get something from that. And then, like you said, you didn't think you were going to start a company like you have now. Yeah. You didn't see any of that. It wasn't even on the horizon, but you took the next best step, which was just to honor your passion. That's all you were doing. Yes. And I enjoy this now. I would love to talk about how I was able to build my business in just a second, but I need to pause and tell you the, the, how profound it is what you just said, because our childhood years can really inform what we are innately drawn to. And so I want to share a little story just to punctuate what you said, because I'm glad you reminded me our, our childhood, our inner child, you know, and who we were before we were even 12, it can really tell us some necessary clues, right. That inform us for our next journey. So uh, my kindergarten teacher 
my dad passed away when I was 13 and she became a kind of a guardian angel of sorts. And she and her husband really helped my mom through, um, my mom had to raise three teenage daughters on her own and she was just a godsend. And so um, I think when I was in my thirties, she came in to visit in New York city where I live and she had a book in her hand and she gave me this book and it looked familiar to me, but it was definitely loved and worn. And I opened it up and it said, Angie Kim. And I think it was like 1990 something. And um, she said, do you remember Angie? Uh, this is your, this was your book that you loved so much. It was a book on aromatherapy and creams. You're and, kidding. Yeah, and I opened it up. There were all these sticky notes. I had taken these meticulous notes and underlined and, you know, um, I was just obsessed with it. And I had taken notes on the side. And I, do you know, that is a big deal because huge about it, but we use essential oils. We use aromatherapy. Aromatherapy is a huge part of our, um, of our creams. People always tell us, I love the way your, your skincare smells. It smells like a, a spa in the bottle. We have two spas in Manhattan. Angela, um, it does smell like a spa in the bottle. So <laughs> I was so grateful to receive a gift from you before our interview. And this number three Renew Pumpkin Seed Serum is dreamy. And it totally took me back. I, I absolutely felt like I was in a spa. The aroma was amazing. And the product is awesome. But it took me right back. It was like, like I'm making, like I'm moving my little fingers around, like how delicious it, it was delicious. Yes. Now, now here's the thing. Let's, let's, I just want to share with you because you're holding the product in your hand and, and we sent you, I think, um, the toner and the serum, the pumpkin yes. serum. These are two of our top bestsellers, uh, the lavender toner and then the pumpkin seed serum. I love the lavender toner. <laughs> I'm so happy in my bathroom. <laughs> okay. Well, let me, I just want to share with you, you know, as we gain wisdom years, um, we need to really layer our skincare. Now, did you notice that there's, it's numbered? Yes. On there. Okay. So we number our skincare one, two, three, four, five, um, because uh, your skin needs nourishment. And we were talking about how it needs love and nourishment. And so you start with layering skincare, just like you layer on for a cold winter day, um, your long underwear first, and then you put on a sweater on top and then you put on your coat. Well, you need to do that with your skin as well. It needs that nourishment so that you can protect your skin from the free radicals that are aging the skin that are making it, um, you know, lose the collagen or get hyperpigmentation or dry. Okay. So we talked about, um, you know, I don't like to use the word aging, but I think there's something about skin that is drier than it needs to be that makes it look unnecessarily like a prune, right? So you want to plump it up. So that's how you do it through the layering. So for you, you'll wash your face and then you, you do the toner, the lavender toner, which has a two on it. And then the pumpkin seed serum, you layer it on top and that helps with hyperpigmentation. It helps to nourish the skin. It plumps it up. It uh, smells like a spa in the bottle. And nice. then you layer on your cream, which is number four. And you, and take the time to really, as my mom says, treat it like the most expensive silk on earth. And knowing that, you know, our truffle face cream, it has vitamin B. So it's giving you a luminosity, a radiance from within. And it's just, you're not going to want to stop touching yourself. Your skin is going to be so baby soft. And then 
number five is up, caviar eye cream. So you just dot it around your eyes. Okay. So I wanted to share the layering of that. How do we get on this subject? Well, we were talking about your passion in the book and the sticky notes. I mean, that just makes me so excited. And also that you forgot. Yes. And I forgot. And and that's the interesting thing. And how's this for full circle? So we've got these facials in the Saber Beauty Spas and people always say the facials smelled so amazing. And for her to bring me this book, if that's not synchronicity, I don't know what is. So you are absolutely right, Susie. I think the it is a delight to be able to go back into your childhood and just start to explore what did I like to do, right? Who is it I? in my and is it in my life now? And you know, I found something really interesting too when I was doing this work all the time. When I think about me doing a podcast at fifty nine, I'm like, how did that happen? How did I end up doing something? technologically kind of heavy because I never imagined myself doing anything like this. Mm-hmm. But then I look back, I've always loved audio. I've mm-hmm. always loved radio. Mm-hmm. I have uh, I have a gramophone sitting in my living room oh and I also have high-end audio speakers because I've always been attracted to sound. And I've also always done interviews I've done interviews starting back. That is so sweet. In grad school, I was doing interviews for my thesis on the relationship between children and their pet dogs. Um, But it's always been there. And so it makes sense when you look for clues for what you loved. I think sometimes the word passion throws people off because it seems too big, too kind of nebulous. I don't really know what a passion is. But when you think about joy, like what? made me smile. What, what did I do in my spare time? Like I used to have smelly markers in the basement and a flip chart. I'd spend hours doing that, you know, mud pies in the backyard of my girlfriend. I spend hours doing that. So like, what are all the things that I did that I loved? And I think when people start to really look back and I'll post the, um, the link for this free worksheet, but when you start to look back, there are clues. So maybe if your memory would have been jogged, you would have remembered the books that you loved, who knows, but this is so beautiful that the root of it was right there. Just waiting for you. Yes, it was right there. And I like to say that passion is focused desire. And so it starts with, as you say, just a spark of joy. And then if you want to develop it into a passion, just spend time with it. And it's focused desire. It's a, a magnetism between you and that that you're doing in that moment. And that becomes your passion. So let's, if you don't mind, because I think this would be really helpful for everyone. Talk a little bit about something that's very daunting when you reinvent yourself in whichever fashion it is. And I think reinvention is so much fun. Um, But I think one thing that stops people dead in their tracks sometimes is what you talked about. You're doing a technologically heavy podcast, right? And you never imagined that you would be able to do that or that you would do that. And I think that's what stops a lot of people is they get stuck on the hows. How am I going to do that? Absolutely. Think about it, Susie. I shared with you that I was socially inept. (laughs) And now all I do is talk. All I do is lead. All I, I'm in the business of HR and sales. You know, when you go into business, that's really what it is. It's HR and sales. If you build a, a business beyond yourself, um, you know, I'm with employees. 
I grew, I, I was, you know, a poor starving artist, probably making $30,000 a year. And then now I have built a seven figure business where I'm helping so many young women with um, build their passion and that, that, you know, we've got estheticians, we have, you know, um, HQ team members, we're selling skincare and giving glow to thousands of people worldwide. You know, I told you I have two spas in Manhattan and now we're opening up another spa in Bangkok, Thailand. Wow. Like, and, and I wrote a book. And so what I'm not, I'm not saying this to brag or say anything I'm saying if a little girl from Iowa who all she knew what to do was play the piano and apparently read books on aromatherapy. <laughs> you grew up in Iowa? I missed that part. <laughs> I grew up in Ames, Iowa. And wow. I was one of the only Asians as well. You know, So if I can do it, anybody can do it. Because I'm telling you, I don't know how I did it because I didn't have a business degree. I didn't have anything except for passion. And passion was my paycheck for a very long time. You know, I didn't come into any success until really I was in my 40s. So I want to encourage, I really want to encourage everyone that you don't have to peak when you're in your 20s. You know, we hear about all these 20 year olds who are, you know, the Kendall Jenners all the way up from Kendall Jenners all the way down to, you know, these these little um, young, are they even millennials at 20? I don't think so. I, I can't even remember those terms. Yeah. <laughs> it confused me there. <laughs> I know, me too. But what my point is that you can do so much in your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. You can do so much. Oh my gosh, it's just beginning. But you know, really the topic that you mentioned briefly just there um, has come up so much in my community lately. And it's the difference between what and how. And if you focus too much on the how, I like to say it just squishes your dreams because you don't have the answers to the how yet because you haven't done it. We right. like to believe that somebody's going to give us a roadmap or a pretty present wrapped up in a bow with all the directions on how to move forward. Right. But really, but really, it doesn't work that way. What we can do is solidify the what, which is become clear about what we want identify our passion, make a decision that you're worthy enough to focus on things that you actually want. So like deal with that clarity, getting super clear on that, and then worry about the how. But when you think about it, when the, the what isn't in question anymore, the how bitch bec just becomes an obstacle to overcome. And then when you think differently about it, your brain can be your ally, your brain will help you solve for the next step. And just leaning into the most obvious next step sometimes is the answer because it's impossible to know what's going to happen. Nobody could have anticipated the, the pandemic or the impact it was going to have and, and things like that. But once you, you decided somewhere along the line that making the creams mm -hmm. was the foundation, that was the what? That's the first step. And then I think also to, to add another layer to, to what you're saying, Susie, is getting comfortable with, with a, a failure. Yes, <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. Yes, because I think that's all I did is I failed way more than the average person. Because if you keep, but at least I was trying. Susie, at least I tried. I mean, I failed so many times. 
If I, we could sit here for hours and I could tell you all of these embarrassing failures that I had, embarrassing and, and big failures too. But I kept getting up every morning and I would get back on my horse and I would say, well, what do I, what's the next best step? I think that's your, your the question to ask. What do I do next? And yeah, because you can't, you can't really learn. learn. You can't learn without failure. And if you ask any successful person, and I've looked this up on Google because Google has all the answers, <laughs> but like I'm always looking up success after 50 and reading stories of men and women who have be, you know, become quite successful later in life. And they all talk about their failures because that is part of learning. That is part of yes. the path. But yeah, our mindset doesn't want to tolerate it, but it's impossible not to experience it. Well, and it's called the school of hard knocks. <laughs> yeah. That's where grit comes from, you know? Yes. Yes. So, so I want my story to serve as an inspiration that, you know, if, if you can do this too, but there are certain things that um, we need to do mindset wise, right? It's a mindset game. It's a game of inches, first of all, and failures are lessons that are to be learned. And um, these are transferable skills from our past that we need to value and appreciate the inner richness of who we are, the inner fabric of who we are. Our past can come into play, you know, and really benefit if we only appreciate and value it. Absolutely. And one of the things you said is that the fountain of youth can be found within yourself. When we punctuate our days with simple yet meaningful rituals, we express natural beauty from our soul that allows us to feel blissful and look radiant. Yes. I just love that. I love the way your book is organized. I love this self-care journal that you've come out with. Can you talk a little bit about the journal? Because that really stands out. I call the journal organizing my gorgeous chaos so I can stay radiant. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a five-step system to really feeling like you can come to the day poised and prepared and planned. I think planning is a structure that we crave and it creates a foundation so that we can move through our days calm, cool, and collected. Um, So, okay. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you just read, the fountain of youth. I think a key to a cornerstone for success is a morning ritual. And it's really important that you create and cultivate a morning ritual that works for you. And it can be always in flux, but it's kind of like a vitamin. If you don't take your vitamin for one day, okay, your body will survive. If you don't take it for a week, you start to feel it. And then if you don't take it for a month, you're falling apart. Maybe you're getting sick, getting the flu. Same with this morning ritual. If I don't do it one day, okay, I can survive. If I don't do it for a week, I'm irritable. I'm on edge. I am not well-planned and you don't really, I'm I'm just not my best self. I'm not radiating my best self. So my morning ritual consists of uh, affirmations and, um, you know, I am abundant. I I feel radiant. I feel, and so I will do about 10 of these, these, um, what I call radiance uh, affirmations. And then I do a breath work exercise. I do a morning mist where I take the toner and the two drops, uh, two pumps of the pumpkin serum. And I do two uh, mists of the toning mist and I massage it in my hands and then massage it on my face. 
And I always say I'm glowing and radiant. I feel radiant. And then I um, plan my day. And when I plan my day in the self-care journal, I always prioritize making sure I take care of myself because you can only give from a cup that overflows, really give, right? And then um, when I can plan my day, I just feel so calm and, and peaceful. And that's when I feel I can vibrate at my highest frequency and then make the not only better decisions, but the right decisions. I love so that. Right. So I, I think it's important that we give our, ourselves the gift of that time. I love that. You know, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. One one other thing that really popped out and I, I loved seeing it there is that you mentioned the importance of creating a beauty altar. Can you Mm -hmm. talk a little bit about that? I smiled when I saw that. Well, I have little mini beauty altars everywhere. I have one um, at my desk. I have one in my bathroom. And so it's just Chris, your favorite things. Maybe it's a picture. One has a picture of my daughter and me. A crystal, a beautiful lamp and, and candle. Um, my bathroom beauty pantry has all my beauty products. It has a beautiful lamp. It has, you know, my Q-tips. It has all of the recruitments that I need to take care of myself. Um, and then a little plant as well. So I think anything that lifts you into your space of bliss and joy, put it, create beauty altars everywhere because it just reminds you of how to savor the beauty of life. Oh my gosh. I love that. And that is such a great reminder and a, and a perfect place to end our interview, actually like savoring the beauty of life really can start from within. And you've done such a great job explaining your, uh, your passion and how you made this transformation in your life. And such a great reminder that it's not always easy, my friends. <laughs> it's not always easy. And you really were heading down a very different path yes. uh, as a pianist. Burnout. Yes. Burnout, um, depression, and, and anxiety. And that's nowhere. That's not radiant. And you don't feel good. That's the most important thing. Feeling good unconditionally is really living a radiant life. Definitely. So what would your best piece of advice be for other women in the middle who might feel a little stuck, uh, even when they're afraid? What can they focus on to help them move forward? I would say create a morning ritual where you just sit and be. I love that. Sit and be and breathe because that's the first permission you will give yourself space that the first permission to give yourself the space to become whole again and realizing that it's just the beginning of something magical and magnificent when you give yourself the space to do that consistently every morning. So good. How can people get a hold of you? Okay. So you can go to radicalradiance.com and if you purchase the book, um, click on the virtual goodie bag and you upload the receipt, you'll get goodies worth over $350 where I give my best piece of advice, um, a manifestation work uh, workshop, uh, one minute glow routine and a $25 gift card to saverbeauty.com. So you can connect with me at radicalradiance.com and then you can sign up for uh, my email list there at radicalradiance.com. I send a wellness Wednesday newsletter out every Wednesday with little tips, self-love secrets, um, travel tips, 
radiance retreats, self-care adventures, self-care sabbaticals, everything to inspire you to live your radically radiant life. I also play a lot on Instagram at Angela Gia Kim, J-I-A is the middle name. And um, I would love to connect with you over there. DM me. I actually read all of the messages and, and respond. That's amazing. I'm going to have all of this information in the summary notes. And Angela, I think you created a super fan in me. I am for sure. Honestly, I can't wait to get a hold of more of this serum. I don't think I'm ever going to be running out. That's for sure. Thank you so much for sharing your story. It's absolutely delightful to hear how you've made such radical changes and, and really found, found your way to self-love and radiance, which is so beautiful. Thanks so much for spending the time with us. Thank you, Susie. Okay, that's it for this episode. Pretty inspirational, right? Angela's story really illustrates and reinforces so much of what I teach here on the podcast. Just think about her life as a professional piano player, completely different than what she's passionate about now. And there is no way she could have charted that path out. Think about yourself. If you're like me, sometimes I just want someone to tell me what to do and how to get there. And if you wrapped it up all in a pretty bow, even better. (laughs) But you simply can't predict it. And even if you could, it would likely feel so scary that you wouldn't do it. But when you allow yourself to notice what you love, notice a spark of joy and use that as an important clue for your best next step, your life can actually change. So do this more. Notice what you love. Allow yourself to love it and move a little bit toward it and then repeat. (laughs) That's it. Simple as that. As you know, my focus as your midlife coach is to help you get unstuck, clear, and excited about your life again. That path forward is to learn to think on purpose. So ask yourself, are you ready to do this? Because if you are, I'm all in to help you do it. Seriously, if you're ready to change your life and learn the skills to unstick yourself with some masterful coaching, a top-notch curriculum, an infusion of creativity, and a warm, fun, and awesome community of like-minded women, let's talk about it. I would love to be able to help you get unstuck and be happier and more fulfilled than ever before. So go ahead and email me your questions, and of course, book your momentum call at www.womeninthemiddleacademy.com. To download your copy of the worksheet I mentioned to help you find your passion, head over to www.susierosenstein.com forward slash passion project 50. For show notes and links, head over to www.susierosenstein.com and click the podcast tab and look for episode 282. Thanks so much for listening. It's time for you to put yourself first, one thought at a time. I'm Susie Rosenstein, and I'll talk to you next week. 